Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's time to step away from the everyday. Pack up, hit the road, have an adventure. If you're out to explore our great state of Queensland, we want to help. It's being out with the breeze, with the bird song, with the kangaroos in the evening and the morning light. And the crunch on gravel underfoot is just quite lovely. So come on, meet some new friends and take a Queensland adventure with us. G'day, I'm Sally Eels and this episode we're going to explore a bit of the history of the Southern Downs to find out how it became the place it is today. That means stepping back in time, and I mean way back when it comes to those giant granite rock formations that are the region's standout natural attractions, because they came about 225 million years ago when molten magma pushed to the surface and cooled, but plenty more on that in our Sights and Scenery episode. There's a rich Aboriginal history in this area too, dating back tens of thousands of years. It's believed the springs of Ajinbili near Kilani were a reliable source of water for Indigenous people, while some local places bear Aboriginal names like Wollongarra, which is believed to mean lagoon or long waterhole. In the town of Warwick, there's even a granite statue of a famous Indigenous Dreamtime character. Tiddalik, the greedy frog that drank all of the water, making all other living things suffer. As the story goes, he did end up releasing the water and replenishing the lakes and streams when the other animals managed to make him laugh. European settlement began on the Southern Downs after 1827 when explorer Alan Cunningham found a way to get there from Moreton Bay via a route now known as Cunningham's Gap. Alan Cunningham explored the area in 1827 and then 1840 the Leslie brothers came as the first squatters and when they come they bring their workers and the hoteliers also come shopkeepers come and blacksmiths also come. So we are the oldest free settled area in Queensland, but not the oldest town. That's Fran Hockings, a wealth of knowledge at the Warwick Historical Society. 
So the Warwick area was populated by free settlers and squatters, as opposed to Brisbane, which was a convict settlement. Pastoralists moved in, and the area soon became known for tin, copper and gold mining and logging. Teams of bullocks were a common sight hauling timber out of the forest. In the past, bullocks did everything that we do with machines now. They did earth moving, they did long distance haulage, they did log pulling, they did ploughing. Anything that was heavy and needed shifting, they shifted it. Rowan Morris at Maryvale is keeping the tradition alive. The bullocks would have come right down this road from up in the main range, pulling cedar and gum and other things down to the mill at Maryvale. So I sometimes sit on my front veranda and imagine the the Reese boys and others driving their teams of bullocks right past our front gate here. He's a farmer and one of Australia's only bullockies, having developed an interest as a teenager. I'm just bringing dead timber out of the forest. For fencing and building timber, I, I take a live tree, but I'm very careful which ones I select because I always want to leave the forest in a condition where it will be healthy and diverse and a good ecosystem for nature and a productive resource for us. While the bullocks have to work as a team, they're all individuals. Ah yes, they're all as different as people. You've got the grumpy ones and the lazy ones and the willing ones and the intelligent ones and the not so bright but can shift heavy things ones. They're all different. But they're very smart. They can learn anything that you've got the patience to teach them. You just have to keep showing them what you want them to do, keep reminding them, and eventually they'll get it. And once they've learned something, they never forget it. The arrival of the railway and steam engines in the 1880s opened up the region even more. The railway first arrived here in Warwick in 1881. The first station was built on the north side of the Condamine River and it was operating there because there was a timber mill, a flour mill and a butter factory. Approximately 10 years later, the railway in Queensland decided that they wanted to make a railway station on the southern side of the river, which was adjacent to the city centre. And then progressively the line continued on down towards the border. Lindsay Mills is one of a small number of devoted volunteers who operate the Southern Downs Steam Railway at the Old Warwick Rail Precinct. It was the main line from Brisbane to Sydney. There was the interchange at Wollongarra Station where everybody had to get off the train there and get onto the New South Wales Railway, which was a a different width uh, in the track. The railway made the area thrive. During those years, there was approximately 100 people worked in the railways here in Warwick. There was numerous railway lines running out of Warwick. Uh, you had the line to Killarney. There was also a line that ran off that went up to a coal mine at Mount Collery. There was a railway line to Maryvale, and of course the line to Wollongarra. 
But with the advent of diesel engines in the 1960s, train services in the region dwindled and petered out by the 1970s. The grand era of steam was set to become a faded memory in the history books. Until the 1990s, when a man with a vision, Bob Keogh, a former steam train driver, decided to bring the old railway precinct back to life. One of his biggest initial projects was restoring an old engine that had spent 30 years falling apart in a park at Chinchilla. All the pipes were rotten inside. Everything had to be pulled apart. Now, the council at Chinchilla were quite happy for these men to bring the engine back to Warwick. And in 2000, they commenced pulling it apart. They were lucky enough to get a government grant to get a new boiler. The new boiler was built down at Ipswich, brought up here and installed in the engine. And in 2007, they were ready to roll. Now, the Southern Downs Steam Railway is a place where visitors can explore old locomotives and carriages made new again, and at certain times of the year, experience the thrill of a steam train journey to various towns across the region. People get, especially children, get great excitement. The older generation, they can refer back to when they were kids and we waited for the steam engine to go past and to be enveloped with a load of soot and smoke and things like that. They are the things that I remember from my early days and that's what people look forward to when they make these trips. I might add also that on our Wollongarra trip there are two tunnels. Uh, one tunnel is about 270 metres long and the other one's about 125. But people get an awful thrill going through a tunnel, I can tell you. Bob Keogh always sat in the engine on those tourist trips until shortly before his death. Now one locomotive, one he actually drove in the 1950s, bears his name. A number of lot of uh, our fellows here are in the age group where we should be sitting back and resting up. But we do it because we love it. And because we see the smiles on faces. And I just enjoy being part of that life. Warwick prospered in the late 1800s. The town was on the rail line, on the stock route, and gentrified sandstone buildings were going up all over the place. We had the most marvellous stonemason called John McCulloch, and a lot of the buildings are attributed to him. He was an absolutely brilliant stonemason. Some of his significant buildings were St Andrew's Presbyterian Church, St Mark's Church, the courthouse, the railway goods shed and the town hall. These buildings are still being used today and they testify the quality of his skills and his labour. 
One of the most impressive buildings of the time is now known as the Abbey Boutique Hotel, a beautifully restored sandstone manor and chapel with attractive gardens and lawns, and it's still well-loved today. Now heritage listed, you can take a tour, host a wedding or birthday there, attend one of the regular murder mystery nights, or simply book a getaway. Robert Hamilton is the manager. It's like stepping back in time, I think. Almost like a, a European feel to the building. You've got the beautiful chandeliers, the old lounges, just the atmosphere that creates uh, a, a real step back in time in era. Very unique accommodation. Um, every room is themed differently, um, but maintains the integrity of the actual building right throughout. I think the first reaction is always, wow, we didn't know about this place before. We've been through Warwick many times, or um, we've never been in Warwick, and we just can't imagine an accommodation like this existing. The Abbey Hotel was originally constructed as a convent for the Sisters of Mercy in 1891. They held onto it for almost 100 years. But since the late 1980s, it served numerous purposes, until current owners Mark and Sue bought it and began a massive restoration, although some parts were already in pristine condition. When you go down to the actual chapel area, you've got some beautiful stained glass windows that were actually brought out from Munich, um, apparently in barrels of molasses, to ensure that they stayed safe in the transit out here. Those stained glass windows are still in perfect condition today. Um, it's also got a cedar ceiling, um, which has never been touched. So the, it has maintained its life over the last 120 odd years, um, and it's still in perfect condition. I certainly love the old building. I, I love the history of the building, the character of the building. There's something about the building. When you walk into it, there's a sense of peace, and there's a sense of just um, yeah, that tranquility. And I think that's what people are starting to explore and, and find. Now, where were we? Back in the late 1800s, boom time on the Southern Downs, especially in the town of Warwick. Warwick was a fairly prosperous place. And because we were on stock routes north, south and east, that also helped as well. We had several blacksmiths in town and, of course, there were lots of hoteliers. A lot of them had horses, so, of course, we needed a race course. So they built the race course and it became very popular. So you've got all these people who went out and made things happen in this town. And where there's a race course, there's gambling. And when there's money ripe for the taking, there are thieves. Bush rangers, in fact. Well, one in particular, who went by the name Captain Thunderbolt. Apparently, Captain Thunderbolt used to come to the races dressed up as a perfect gentleman. He would see which horse won and who got the winnings and then leave here, revert back to his bush ranger status and rob that gentleman on his way home. With a reputation as the gentleman bushranger, Captain Thunderbolt had a number of hideouts in the granite rock outcrops and was renowned for having escaped the convict prison on Sydney's Cockatoo Island. After what's said to be a lengthy pursuit by police in 1875, he was shot and killed, but will go down in history as Australia's longest ever roaming bushranger. 
from bushrangers to the battlefield. After World War I, some returning soldiers were gifted with large plots of land on the Granite Belt in recognition of their service to their country. You may recognise some of the names of the districts. Poziers, Passchendaele, Amiens. They were some of the biggest battles in France and Belgium. But a lot of the former soldiers ended up leaving because they just weren't cut out for farming. However, the Italian migrants who soon flocked to the region were. They laid the foundations for the fruit and veggie bowl the area is today and, of course, started the first vineyards, hence the wineries. But you'll have to listen to the Food Glorious Food episode to find out all about that. There are a few other historical events of note. A tornado almost wiped Kalani off the map in 1968. Of the 250 homes, 200 were destroyed or damaged. So at one point it was said that there was going to be, you know, no rebuilding of Kalani, but the people of Kalani really sort of joined together in that moment and they committed themselves to rebuilding. And for literature lovers, one of Australia's most well-known authors grew up in Allera. P.L. Travers, who wrote Mary Poppins, may have been born in Merriburra, but she spent her childhood on the Southern Downs before her life led her to London. And you can visit her old home at Allera. These days, there's a vibrant festival culture flourishing across the Southern Downs, with the major centres each playing host to their own unique events. There's Stanthorpe's Apple and Grape Harvest Festival, a celebration of the Granite Belt's produce and wine industry, which attracts tens of thousands of visitors. There's Warwick's Wild and Woolly Jumpers and Jazz in July, where just about everything in town is yarn-bombed, which means covered in brightly coloured knitted artworks. Even the statue of former Premier Thomas Burns is decked out in a handmade beading and scarf. <laughs> While in Kalani, there's a bonfire night with a twist. As well as fireworks and a giant bonfire, intricate sculptures created with 44-gallon drums are set alight. The most wonderful part is certainly the creation of all of the drums and the local people and, and people from away contribute drums which are made into all sorts of different and amazing creations. So they might be, you know, tractors and hot rods and all the way up to giant dragons and kangaroos and beautiful patterns and artworks. It truly is a sight to behold. And one last thing. Okay, it's not a festival, but if you go there, it feels like Christmas no matter what the time of year. At the Granite Belt Christmas Farm at Applethorpe, families can wander through fields of Christmas trees and at harvest time, choose the perfect one for your home. You can meet Santa's reindeer and his donkeys and his lambs, taste Mrs Claus's festive treats or stock up on Christmas decorations. 
Thanks for joining us on this episode as we took a step back in time and sampled a taste of the cultural events on the Southern Downs calendar. Be sure to check out our other episodes on this incredible region, sights and scenery. My most magical experience there was seeing fireflies. Active adventures. And food, glorious food. I don't think people realise what a salad bowl that the granite belt is. This podcast is a production of The Pod Squad, a team of media professionals dedicated to bringing you the best of Queensland from the locals who love it. I'm Sally Eels, writer, presenter and producer of Queensland Adventures, sound design Mark Wright, camera, editing, social media and promotion Sean and Katie Smith from Grizzly Bear Media, marketing Kim Scubras, graphics Luke Sieb, theme music written and performed by Julian Doe. Thanks to the Southern Downs Council and Mayor Vic Panisi for their support. See you soon on your next Queensland adventure.